ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Everybody, welcome into the Great Scott Show. It's Monday morning. I am Scott Brather, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We are midway through November, and we are not happy the day after a Saints game. Oh, God, how frustrating was that game yesterday? Where do you even start? Where do you even start? I I I have not been that upset after a Saints game in a long time. Like angry. I mean, I've been sad after some games or upset, maybe a little light depression, but that was as frustrating as it gets. We're going to dig into the Saints 23 to 21 loss to the Titans. We're going to talk college football as well the cajuns moving up in the polls 21 in the ap 22 in the coaches secured sunbelt conference championship home game billy napier will be on with me at 7 15 this morning cajun hoops won over the weekend as well hell the pelicans won a game saturday night it looked like lsu was gonna win too but they lost in overtime to arkansas i, I that game that saints game good lord you know i i'm not much of a day drinker Unless I'm on vacation, really. I mean, I don't. I don't really drink during the day. Vacation, maybe. Maybe you're at a crawfish boil somewhere on like an afternoon. All right, might have a couple. I'm not much of a day drinker. Like I'm not the kind. I'm not like my friend Ralph Malbro with Saints Happy Hour. That's just gotta just chug brown waters during a game. But after that Saints game yesterday. Between the awful rough in the passer call, between the kicker who can't make an extra point, between the fumble to begin the second half, Adam bleeping Troutman, Sean Payton, normally super aggressive, going against his instincts and saying, I'm going to kick a field goal from the two when you're down 11. And yes, everyone, I know basic math. I know it's still a one possession game if you kick the field goal. Still a chicken bleep call. Is Sean Payton, of all people, not going for it on fourth down? I can't believe it. There are a lot of little things that added up. Lattimore had his worst game of the season. Cesar Ruiz is out there on ice skates. Guy was falling all over the place. I was mad. To the point where, you know, I was, I was on Twitter arguing with people. Arguing. Maybe that's too strong of a word. I mean, it's nothing personal. Disagreeing with individuals. Finally, I was like, you know what? I, I got to get off of here. I went and put my phone in the other room eventually. And I just started drinking beer and playing with my kids. That was it. And I, after a couple hours, I felt a lot better. 
Normally don't drink that much beer on a Sunday afternoon, but yesterday I needed it. And I felt better. Went on a walk with the kids. We played games. Eventually we had dinner. I put him to bed and I was like, should I pick up my phone? Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And I slept pretty good last night. Fell asleep at a, at a, a good hour. Got some good sleep. Woke up this morning, stretched, ate a little something, came into work, and then had to start prepping for the show. And then it all started coming back to me. First of all, I, I <laughs> yesterday, as you get as you, as your kids get older and there there's things that are more important, like your children and being a dad. That happened during a, a sporting event. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn to multitask. So my my six year old had a basketball game yesterday at twelve thirty, and so I wasn't gonna miss it. But I, I, you know, we're all there as a family. I got the other two little ones running around. I have the Saints game on my phone. A little hot spot with me. I'm watching them against the Titans in the first half in a very frustrating game. And at one point when Jerome Booger decides that he's going to call a roughing the bleeping passer call on Caden Ellis when Marcus Williams intercepted a pass in the end zone, which would have kept the game 6-6 six to six, and instead just eventually gave the Titans a touchdown because then they called P.I. on a third down on Demario Davis three plays later, and finally they just walk it. They might as well just credit that touchdown to Jerome Booger. But when I saw the flag, I just yelled something. First word, horse. Second second one rhymes with the word um, flip. And I say yell it. I said it. I didn't yell it. Just kind of came out. A couple people looked at me. None of the kids on the court heard it. I mean, come on, it's six-year-olds. It's not like the, the officials did fine. I wasn't yelling about the game, the kids' game. And I missed a couple plays. But I saw that one. I was mad. And I got home and a couple minutes into the second half. And I mean, from there on out, God, this team. Shout out Mark Ingram. He had a great game. He broke the Saints' all-time rushing record. He deserves it. He played well. But it, it, it uh, the last two weeks, man, it's like every time they take a step forward, they take one backwards. And all of this, everyone coming at me online, oh, you can't second guess with the benefit of results, Scott. I didn't second guess. I first guessed. When you've got it at the two-yard line in a game where you're down 11 and it's midway through the fourth quarter, it's actually past midway through the fourth quarter, you go for the touchdown. Well, if you don't get it, the game's over. Guess what? Did they win yesterday? No. When you're that close, you're aggressive. Peyton's always aggressive, and in that moment, he wasn't. Well, I'm, I, it still works, Scott. I mean, they ended up scoring a touchdown, and then all they needed was a two-point conversion. Did they get it? Well, they would have if, 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 if. I don't deal with this. You go for it. And if they get it, I don't know if the Saints win the game. I have no idea. I'm not going to do an if. I just know in the moment, I didn't like the call, and nothing about what unfolded afterwards made me like it more. And they shouldn't have even been in that position. They had a kicker who could at least make an NFL extra point. 
Lutz being on IR, you knew it was going to cost you games. It probably cost you the game against the Giants because Rosas is going to, you know, I mean, Peyton's not attempting 47 yarders. He's doing that with Will Lutz. Luckily, it didn't cost you the game in Washington, but Cody Parkey missed two PATs. Then you got this Brian Jabroni Johnson. Sean, what did you see there? They were both wide left. Yes, they were. Stupid. Titans losing it. Just so fed up. We, we, we're going we're gonna to have to get more into this later. I need to... It's not... It's, it's just, just a football game. I need to relax. I need to relax. Starting to get worked up. Cajuns won at Troy. Cajun basketball won Friday night at Hattiesburg. But shout out to Gary Broadhead. The Cajun women's basketball team going to Rice, coming back and winning Saturday night. We're going to have Gary on the show tomorrow. That was was great stuff. Um, UL football. Coach Napier. Man who, uh, one one of several men who have said, Scared money don't make money. I mean, what would he do in a situation, fourth and two, down eight, check that down 11, more than midway through the fourth quarter? What do you go for it? What do the analytics tell you? Well, of course, talk Cajun football. They're winning Troy, getting to host the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. How's the health of this team? A lot to get into with Coach Napier. He joins me next as he does each Monday during the season at 7.15. And it happens right after this. On the best ticket in sports, this is ESPN Lafayette. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com. And the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather here, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now at 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Joining us now, the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, ranked 21st in the AP poll, 22nd in the coaches poll. They will host the Sunbelt Conference Championship game they are coming off of a victory on Saturday against the Troy Trojans on the road, 35-21. to 21. Good morning, Coach Napier. How are you? Doing great, Scott. How about you, man? I'm hanging in there, my friend. I, I have a, um, a, a a hypothetical for you that I don't know if you'll answer or not, but it it it, re, it would revolve around a, a in-game coaching decision. Um, if you found yourself in a game that you were playing from behind – and you're down it's a little you're down 11 points and um your 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 kicker has already missed two PATs all right and you have it fourth and goal at the two 
So you're down 11, and you're more than midway through the fourth quarter. It's fourth and goal from the two. Do you go for the touchdown there, or do you attempt a field goal? And I think you're trying to make me be critical of one of our favorite coaches in the state, and I'm not sure that I want to do that. So, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we oftentimes don't completely understand all that goes into these decisions. Certainly, uh, I, I'm, like you mentioned, uh, would be skeptical of, you know, commenting on the situation. I don't know all the variables, too. But uh, I get where you're coming from. And I appreciate your passion. <laughs> fair, fair enough, Coach. Look, I just, I know analytically it would suggest yes, and I know how often you go for it on fourth down. And, you know, scared money don't make money has become a bit of a meme and in, in, in a saying this season, certainly at Louisiana. Um, well, then let's let's talk about your team, Coach. Um, you get the win. I, I have a two-part question here. What what was after watching the film? What was the most impressive individual performance? And then, what do you think the most overlooked performance was in terms of you know what? If you were just watching at home, it may not show up unless you watch the tape in terms of how good this individual played. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think that uh, Saturday was about individuals. You know, I felt like it was uh, really a collective effort. You know, I thought we played a good team. Um, football game, you know, we executed our plan. Um, you know, we were able to post a zero on offense. We got three takeaways on defense. We held them to 40 yards rushing. We rushed for over 200 yards. Um, I felt like we controlled the, the uh, vertical field position in the game. Uh, we're close to really dominating the hidden yardage battle in the kicking game. Thought we covered the kicks and the punch well. The specialists were really good. Um, and we made a few plays in the return. We managed the alternate kicks. Um, you know, overall, it was a good team win. And certainly, um, number one, I thought, made some exceptional individual plays that were a little bit off schedule. Um, and then I think overall the thing that I that got overlooked probably was just how sound we were on special teams. I thought we had a really good day. You mentioned number one, I, uh, Levi's 27-yard run there uh, in the third quarter, which came on a fourth down. I think it was fourth and seven. Uh, that was uh, that was a, a Sports Center top ten worthy type of play. I, I tweeted that out as soon as I saw it. And I know you know you go back and look at a film. Not everything's perfect, but just a play like that to have that vision and in that situation at that point, you know, it's, it's an eight point game. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fourth down. It was one of the more impressive plays you guys have had this season in my mind in terms of, well, I'll say this, one of the more impressive plays that he has had this season is he's had some good ones, but that was, uh, that was one that I'm sure Doug Domain will, uh, will be chopping up in the highlights quite a bit for some of those culture videos. Yeah, no, it was a great, um, Kind of a judgment play, you know. We had a um, concept called middle open concept. They gave him the underneath route. He wasn't quite confident that that route would get him a first. Kind of continued through his progression, and then at one point or another, there felt like he had enough room there to go get it with his legs. Made a guy miss, uh, and then dusted him around the edge there for a touchdown. So, you know, he had a couple like that uh, in the game. You know, that were off schedule. You know, QB rating of 180, 
right? We rushed for five yards of carry. We were 100% touchdowns in the red area. Zero turnovers, you know, over 50% on conversion downs. Just, you know, we'd like to score one more touchdown and, uh, you know, create a few more explosives outside of that. It was a good day. Coach Billy Napier, our guest, Louisiana beats Troy to win uh, their ninth straight game. School record, nine consecutive wins. Uh, It was a win on the road in conference, Coach. And the big takeaway coming out of it, I know fans were were getting excited late in the fourth quarter talking about December the 4th. One of the goals was to host the Sunbelt Conference Championship game at Cajun Fields. You, You guys have now done that. How do you, as a coach, sort of check that off the list and tell the guys, all right, we got this, but we've still got... You know, we got a game at Liberty. We got Senior Day. We got some stuff to do before that. How do you guard against looking ahead to something that it should be celebrated in some ways? I mean, it was one of the goals, but it's also a couple of weeks away. Yeah, I don't. I think um, you know it's just part of what we do, right? I mean, there's it happens in football all the time. You know, I mean, we've secured the division early before. Um, you know, we haven't been in position to get home for advantage, but. You know, you, you become bowl eligible, you win your division. Um, every level of football, you kind of deal with these things. So it uh, doesn't change the fact that we play one of the best group of five football teams in the country this week. You know, a team that's won 15 games in a row at home. Um, you know, we're a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, you know, they've got, you know, some may, would consider maybe one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. Um, you know, and we have a lot to play for. You know, I think it gives us an opportunity to win 10 games three years in a row. Um, momentum uh, is a big part of this game, and we want to keep it. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, there's a lot to play for here relative to the big picture. You know, New Year's six opportunities, a group of five, you know, rankings and, and so forth. So, um, this is a huge uh, game uh, for our team this Saturday uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, it's going to be uh, quite the matchup in all three phases of the game. So, um, you know, we're, we've moved forward pretty quick as a staff and as a team. And uh, we've got a lot to play for this weekend and certainly excited about the challenge and opportunity at Liberty. Liberty Flames, 7-3, and three, hosting Louisiana this Saturday, as Coach Napier alluded to. Sometimes when you have a non-conference game late in the season, uh, I've coaches in the past, I mean, you've never told me this, coaches in the past say, you know, it, it could take you out of a rhythm, and so you have to sort of adjust. Um, I, it doesn't sound like anything's changing in terms of you guys and your routine, and the fact that Liberty's really good, I guess, is, it's easy to sort of turn the page and focus for the players, but... Does does the rhythm get altered at all here, or is this game week similar to to, to last week and the week before? Uh yeah, we're we're um, you know we're in tier three here, um, so you know we we've tweaked the routine just a little bit um, starting last week, uh, and certainly we'll continue with that routine. You know, this week players were off yesterday. Uh, we're actually putting the game to bed this morning, and then we'll move forward. Uh, and have practice later today. The players will lift throughout the day. Um, you know, so we're we're moving right along. Staff worked really hard yesterday. 
and um, you know we'll keep grinding it out here. Coach, what are you lifting these days? You benching what about two fifty, two seventy five? I don't do bench press anymore, Scott. It's <laughs> been it. it's been it's been many years. Um, no, I'm I'm just I'm just messing with you, Coach. Uh, you mentioned the the lifting, the health aspect of it. How did you guys come out of that game? Uh, are you feeling okay about where you guys are in terms of health? I know we won't get a depth chart until later this week, but some games you come out better than others. Yeah, no no significant setback Saturday, which one which was one of the big positives from the game. You you've um, you've talked a lot about process. And uh, Brody Miller of The Athletic, a friend of mine, he wrote a, a nice article about you last week. And uh, I would, you know, I, I would invite folks to go check it out and, and support Brody and, and learn more about Coach Napier. But in love with the process of football, what what is it about the process that you, you're just so passionate about? Why do you love that aspect of this job that, uh, that you do well? Well, I just think it's a unique challenge, you know, relative to um, the number of people involved. You know, I think it's, um, you know, it's an awesome experience to be a part of a team. Uh, All that goes into it, you know, the detail that's required, the discipline that's required, the camaraderie, you know, the chemistry, the morale, um, you know, the common ground, you know, working toward, uh, something together, uh, and certainly the competition part of it, right? Um, you know, I do think that, you know, there's just something to be said for uh, the relationships, the friendships that come along with working together, um, you know, and trying to accomplish something significant in a very competitive dynamic, right? I mean, a lot of people trying to have success, um, you know, and, and it's tough to be, it's tough to have success. It's tough to win and certainly tough to sustain and continue to win. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, it's, it's, uh, what I've been doing for a long time, you know, whether it's, uh, as a player or a coach's son, or certainly as an assistant coach and uh, now having the opportunity to be a head coach. So, uh, it's fun. That's what I would tell you. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather visiting with Louisiana head coach Billy Napier. Um, Talked to Dr. Magger plenty of times, whether it be on the show, whether it be off the air, uh, and then reading some of his things that is mentioned in the article I referenced. Uh, He's used the word transparency a lot when he talks about his relationship with you. You've spoken a lot about the relationship that the football, not just you, but the, the, the program, has with the AD and with the university president. It, I, I could be wrong here, Coach. You would be more in the know about this. As an outsider, it seems like that transparency isn't commonplace across all of college football. It Maybe it's more common than, than I'm making it out to be. But in in covering some other schools before, doesn't always feel like they have that that transparency, that unity, that synergy, if you will, between all three facets, is it? Why, why isn't it more common in college football, and why is it common right now at UL? Well, I mean, I think um, you know, there's just a, I think I have a great appreciation for the leadership here because they gave me an opportunity. You know, I think Dr. Maggard in particular. 
I was right at the, you know, along with a few other people, was right at the core of that decision, uh, giving me an opportunity to be a head coach for the first time. You know, so I think there's an appreciation there um, and a loyalty there relative to, hey, the guy I believed in what I was selling, you know, believed in me as a person, as a leader, gave me an opportunity. And then, you know, once you, you know, boots on the ground and you kind of start working towards um, this vision that Dr. Savoy had and the, the day-to-day execution that Dr. Maggard uh, has provided, you know, you, I just feel like we have, uh, we, we were working together, right? We're certainly a team here trying to accomplish um, you know, big picture goals here, not only for the football team, for the, the athletic department, the university, and all of these things affect our community, our local economy. I mean, heck, this is, uh, it's all uh, connected to some degree. So uh, I think that I appreciate the, the interest in uh, what's required and uh, certainly the knowledge relative to the nuts and bolts of you know, the athletic department, our football dynamic, what's, you know, the things that we need. Uh, we've been able to come up with solutions for problems, right? We've been able to uh, be really resourceful. You know, I think sometimes the group of five level, you know, maybe you're lacking some resources in some areas, but it's not necessarily about that. It's about being resourceful uh, and using all the things that you have at your, um, you know, that we have at our um, exposure to. So um, I think that's what it is. It's, um, you know, I think we have um, an appreciation for each other, and I know I'm certainly thankful um, for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Coach. My last football question for you, and it's one I actually have to circle back to. I meant to ask earlier. Um, for Rod Gardner, I this senior linebacker, he – he was outstanding in Saturday's win all over the field. I think he had maybe a dozen tackles. He had the interception, but this is a young man coach that I think his story is, is worth sharing considering, you know, a lot of things over the last five to six years that have led up to this point, whether it be injuries, whether it be finding his way onto the football team and the like. But uh, could you just tell us a little bit more about Farad, the young man? And uh, I think people see the kind of impact he has on the field, but how much have you seen him grow in your time at UL? Yeah, I, I um, you know, Farad was a guy who was, um, when we first got here, he was, uh, had been dismissed from the team. Uh, and he also had an injury, had a Liz Frank injury. So he really had participated in football for over a year. He was kind of just going to class, trying to figure out what was next. Um, you know, I think you could probably do an interview with him and get more specific about that. But basically, um, ask him to come back, you know, um, met with him individually just to get a pulse for who he was. Um, had some insight into maybe the guy wasn't a bad guy. Uh, we gave him an opportunity, a second chance to some degree. Um, you know, he paid his way for a semester kind of proved himself. Uh, and then, you know, the guy's done a fantastic job. We got him healthy. I got him over the injury, kind of modified, you know, how he participated until he was healthy. And then 
you know, he's been a very productive player. I think the thing that stands out to me uh, is I think his intelligence, uh, his ability to communicate, and then certainly I think he's grown up a lot as a person. Um, you know, he's voted team captain last year uh, and really a guy that I think um, he's really bright and has a great future in front of him, you know, both as a football player, but also I think just in general in the life. The guy's, you know, he's got a lot of charisma. He's skilled in a lot of different areas uh, and a person that I think could bring value to a lot of different areas. So uh, we're really proud of Rob, you know, and uh, I think he's one of the guys that, you know, he's one of the great stories that we've had a chance to be a part of since we got here. Yeah, a lot of great stories in the world of college athletics, and, and Farad Gardner is is definitely one of them. Louisiana Rage Cajun head coach Billy Napier has been our guest. Final question, Coach, not a football question. Um, if, if, you know, calories aside, if it doesn't matter, you're not worried about blood sugar, you don't have to work the next day, Maybe you and Allie are on a trip. Basically, you get to have a guilt-free meal. Whatever you want on the menu, what is Coach Napier eating? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'll tell you this much. I, I'm, uh, I'm all about the food. you know. So uh, I'll eat about anything. Grew up that way. Um, so I think it's more about locally what's the best option. I'm always going to ask the waiter the waitress you know what's the best thing you got and usually that's what we go with so um i'm gonna do a little research in the area locally you know find out from the locals what the best eating spot is Um, i'll tell you one thing okay growing up around my dad barbecue is a big deal right so uh, it would be common for dad to say hey get in the truck we're going for a ride here Going to get some barbecue. We might ride an hour or two uh, in North Georgia to find the best barbecue spot we could find. So, um, you know, big barbecue guy. And uh, certainly we got a couple great spots here Mid City, Blanchard's, um, Johnson's. There's a lot of great spots here in Lafayette for sure. No doubt about it. I know Mid City uh, fed the team last week as well. A lot of. A lot of food I know the team can put down, but, uh, Coach, appreciate you taking the time, as always, every Monday. Good luck this uh, upcoming Saturday at Liberty. We'll talk to you again next week. All the best. Thanks for covering the Cajun, Scott. And I'll see you around, buddy. You got it. That is Louisiana Rage Cajun head coach Billy Napier. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette. A couple of things to dig into about that conversation we just had. Talking about the synergy that he has on the staff. What makes it different? A couple of things in that Brody Miller article I referenced, which we'll talk about. Cajuns win and why Liberty is <laughs> your coach. To, it's, I mean, it's a betting line, but you can read in the lines in terms of how the public is feeling about a game. And right now, Liberty is a favorite in that game. I think it's minus four currently. What do they do well? We'll dig into that. Some surprises from the weekend in sports. And Sean Payton, he, um, needless to say, not in a great mood after the game yesterday. He was um, responding to some questions from one Cat Terrell. Like, come on, I'm not going to answer that. What did, what, did, what did she ask him that kind of made him? 
I won't say Surly. He was already upset. And why wouldn't he be? That was a frustrating game yesterday in Nashville. We'll listen to Sean Payton's post game as well. It's all coming your way, plus open phone lines. 337 269 1077. You can hit us up on Twitter at ESPN Lafayette, and you can email me, Scott, at ESPN1420.com. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues after this. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash terms and conditions sports talk that's so legit it smells like beer and chicken wings i mean can't you smell it i'm smelling barbecue too espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Phone lines are now open at 269-1077. You know, I was reminded yesterday, or last night rather, well, yeah, I guess last night was yesterday, sorry, that there are a lot of football players that don't watch football games. Yeah, they watch game film. They watch stuff like that. But you, you you can talk to a number of college football players, and it's like, do you do you watch do you watch the NFL? And they'll be like, not really. I mean, I kind of watch it, but now I just kind of we usually Sunday might be a film day. They, they they watch it here and there, but they're not tuned in like the way a fan would be. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes when a fan hears a player say, like, I didn't know they had ties in the NFL, they'll be like, oh, how could you not know that? Like, these guys aren't, they're not watching the NFL every week like this. They're usually working out and, you know, trying to, they're, they might be a lot better at playing football, but they're not as in tune with sort of maybe a more common rule in the NFL. They'll know some more nuanced rules. So Najee Harris, the rookie linebacker for the Steelers yesterday, I mean, I like, yeah. I didn't even know you could tie in the NFL. In my mind, I was sitting on the bench saying, I got another quarter to go. Someone came up to me and was like, that's it. 
16-16, the final in Pittsburgh yesterday. The Lions, yeah, the Lions. They didn't lose. Congrats to Dan Campbell and the Lions on their first non-loss of the season. And, yes, there are a lot of players in the NFL that probably don't know that you can tie in the NFL. The, the annoying thing about the tie, too, is like the NFL got complaints about how, well, fifth, you know, it just we need to alter the overtime rule again. Guys are just playing too long. So they shorten it to 10 minutes, but with the added, well, you, you know, you can't win on a field goal. You could win on a touchdown, but if you have the possession first and it's a field goal, the other team gets a shot. So all that does is just shorten the game. So the likelihood of having ties only increases. That, that, there will be another tie in the NFL this year. That's not the first. It'll probably be one in like week 16 or something. It might actually be the, the Lions might finish 0-15-2 this year. There's probably a, a long eyes in Vegas, but maybe go put a couple down. 269-1077. Enough of me. Well, I say that. You're going to hear a lot of me. I mean, it's the great Scott show. But let's hear from you as well. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Morning, Scott. What's up? Um, uh, you know, life, after, uh, life of a city fan after a loss like that. Um, I know everyone's going to be bad about that rough in the past call, but to me, like, they should direct their anger to the past interference call after, after that horrible call. Now that call that call was bad, right? But it, it happens, you know. Uh, we've been uh, benefited those a couple of times. Well, when it was really, really, yeah, you know, the, the, you're right to to point it out real quick. The the win against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago, there was a questionable rough in the passer call that it both extended a drive and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think there were two on that drive, and I think the bad one might have also been when Simeon threw the pick. So. Yeah, let's, you know, well, to be fair, the Saints have been on the right side of that call before. And it's like, okay, the, the thing is, like, that call was so bad. And, like, I, I forgive that. But, like, for, for them to call the pass interference call, that's like flipping flipping every fan, every Saints fan off, or their team off, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? It's like i, I, I got to be honest with you, David. I'll, I'll take your word face. for it. So that, I don't know if you heard me earlier, so I, I was watching the first half on my phone at a at my kid's basketball game, and I saw I, I saw Davis. It looked like he just reached around and looked clean, but I wasn't like at my home getting to see the replay on a you know on a on an actual TV screen like over and over and over. So it was that it was that bad because I was still just too heated about the about the, the roughing the passer call to even you know to even really like I, it was hard for me to move on. It's not even that it was that bad. It was just like you can't make that call after you cheat us out of a out of an interception, you know? Out of a turnover, you're gonna go ahead and give them on third down another set of downs to get a touchdown. Yeah, there you know was what I'm a lot yesterday though. I mean from, from the you that sequence that at the end of the man. half to to there there were so many little things. And what's weird is like the Saints the defense got themselves together after that horrible call and forced them to, to go three and out, and then you call that penalty. You know? Yeah. Yeah, look, they, they the Titans the the only had two touchdowns yesterday. One of them was in that sequence where they shouldn't have had it, and the other was after a fumble where you had a short field. I mean, I'm not saying the defense was, was awesome. I mean, they had their mistakes, but 
when you look at it, if 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 two things, if you do what you're supposed to, you know, if you don't turn it over and if you don't have a, a bad call go against you there in the red zone, then, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe you're holding them all to field goals. But that's not what unfolded. Yeah. They they just, okay. th- that game was, and like, ugh, I'm just getting ticked off just talking about it because there were so <laughs> many little things. And the Saints, as 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 beat up as they are, and not having the depth that they've had the last four years, being very short on depth, you would look at it and be like, boy, the margin for hair is really slim. And yesterday against a team that's got the 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 you know the best record in the AFC, they had all kind of errors and still almost got out of there with a W. And it's like, yeah, the margin of error is slim, and yet if you still do a couple of things different, you win that game. Two two-point losses in a row. And as, as annoying as last week's loss was, it wasn't as frustrating as that one yesterday. That one yesterday is the most frustrating regular season loss in years. Yeah. Um, and we're going to disagree on that. That uh, Sean Payne should have went for it on. Should have gone for it. Uh, fourth down at two. At the two line. Make money. It, uh, yeah. Well, I get that, but it's. I think what it is is if your team is like two and seven, you go for those type of plays. If you you know your season's like kind of over, but like if you're still in contention for a playoff spot. You have to put yourself in position to be able to either win or t- get it to overtime. I you know think what I'm saying? I, I, that's what I, that's, you know, I agree with your your second statement. I think the best way for them to do it was to score there. You know, I mean, look, the field goal kicker was horrible yesterday, but your odds of, of getting in the field goal range again, you got, you just, the, the analytics suggest you go for it there. And then on top of that, Peyton is usually ultra aggressive. I just... I, I didn't look to be fair to me. I mean, I know you follow me on social media. I said in the moment, like I, this is the wrong call. So I was, I'm not trying to be yeah. like, and I look guys, I'm, I, I try, I don't second guess coaches a ton. I don't like come on every day and say, Oh, what the heck were they doing? I just, I didn't like it. And, and look, we're, we're not going to agree. Cause I still think it went against his instincts there. And that's all right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just mad because the saints blew it. Hey, and uh, one, one last thing. Who's the last tight end Saints fans like? I say Boo Williams, but that might be going the back last thing. Look, I mean, no, it was Jimmy Graham. They might not have liked him at the oh, end, yeah, Jim but Graham, yeah. no, Jimmy Graham sold. They, he could have he run for mayor in New now, Orleans see, like, in 2011. The thing, the thing is, Adam Charlman actually made plays that game, you know? His mistakes and are, too, his mistakes are too critical. They're, 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 they're in the, the worst spots. And, and, it feels like Sean Payton's press conference after he was like talking to him. He was talking. We're gonna hear. I'm gonna play it for you right now. You can read between the lines, but it's um, Adam Troutman and Brian Johnson. Now they're not gonna cut Troutman, but you know they're okay. I, they're working out kickers today. Believe me. <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you. Thank you, Sean Payton. Sometimes he'll talk to the media for 12 minutes after a game. Yesterday, it was less than three. Critical situations, obviously the turnover, missed PATs, but, you know, tip your hat. It was a hard-fought game. Any questions? Were you able to tell what happened on the missed PATs? Missed them left. What was the explanation on the rocking No explanation. So? There wasn't an explanation. What do you want me to say? You want my opinion on it? Yeah. No, no opinion on it. Next question. Second week in a row, a lot of mistakes, but the team fought. Thought we had a good plan coming in with this 
with this game specifically. Pretty good with the with the injury we had. You know, Ty got hurt early. That really, uh, you know, impacted some of the stuff we, we were going to do. But I thought, man, I thought, I thought he, you know, laid it out there. Sean, what do you think about the way Trevor Simeon played? It, it seemed like in the fourth quarter he really sort of dialed. Yeah, yep, yeah, I would, I would agree. Did you make any adjustments at the half? Because the first half they had, I think, four sacks and none in the second. Yeah. There were a couple things that that we we fixed, um, and look, I thought the guys up front, you know, we wanted to come in and, and be balanced and make sure that it wasn't one dimensional. We just felt like that uh, was going to be the right plan, and and so we were able to do that. Did that? Um, how much did the false start on the two point conversion attempt at the end change your play calling there? Or? Everything. I mean, significant from the two to the. Significant. Were you thinking before that, like a, since you switch quarterbacks, were you thinking about some potential run play in case of? We'll see. I'm not going to tell you what play it was, Catherine. No, Seriously. Next question. Next question. Next question. Obviously, it changes the play when you're on the two and you go to the seven. Sean, uh, you guys haven't made excuses for injuries all year, but, but when, when you're missing guys like you were today. Look, it, it's the NFL, and that that's part of the deal. And I hear you. And I thought the way we approach this game, um, you, you've got to be able to still play. And uh, that's the one thing we've been able to do, fight through it. So we'll continue to do that. But does that, when you're, when you're having the stuff like that, like fumble kickoffs and missed extra points, does that make it harder for to... I think that makes it hard for a healthy team. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. yeah. Sean, what's kind of the process for cleaning up some of those self-inflicted things that... Man, it's, it's the attention to detail, obviously. I, we look at it as coaches, too, you know, start with me. But then um, pretty soon we start looking at who's doing it. You know, we start evaluating who's making plays and who's not. And uh, it just is what it is. It's, it's our league. Pretty soon you start looking at who's doing it. Troutman has been – the weird thing about Troutman is that Coming out of Dayton, you see the highlights and it's, you know, he's one-handed catches and you see him and you're like, all right, he hasn't really had to very, very, very much a pass-catching tight end in college. I mean, go look at the numbers. No, I did not go scour through hours of Dayton game film, but I looked at the highlights and I'm like, okay, he'll probably have to adjust at the NFL level more so to blocking than pass-catching and Ironically, his blocking has been really good. It's the pass catching at times, and then it's just the crucial mistakes in the moments. I mean, the fact that the guy on a game-tying two-point conversion, potential game-tying two-point conversion, just a false start in that moment. And I'm telling you, Sean Payton didn't want to say what they were going to run. It looked like they're setting up Taysom Hill to do the old, let me, the old Tim Tebow little fake run. I'm going to take two or three steps, then do a little basketball shot throw in the back of the end zone to either Troutman or Garrett Griffin or Jawan Johnson or one of the three tight ends in that jumbo package. That's what it looked like. Oh, man. More post-game coming up. We'll hear from Trevor Simeon, Mark Ingram, and others. 
Open up phone lines next hour, 269-1077. Circle back to the Cajuns game. What happened on the hardwood as well over the weekend? LSU versus Arkansas. We're going to talk more Cajun hoops tomorrow as Bob Marlin and Gary Broadhead. Huge win for Gary Broadhead squad at Rice. Big win. Big comeback. And uh, Cajun men got the win in Hattiesburg. We'll, we'll discuss that tomorrow with those guys. Working on a couple of other guests. Of course, Jay Walker's on with me Tuesdays. But uh, next hour, ugh. Ugh. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't talk about the Saints anymore. I'm just going to get more and more P.O. talking about it. I'll tell you why every single week everyone overreacts to either the Bucks or the Patriots. And it doesn't have to do with a whole team as much as singular individuals. I'll explain that. Some of the bigger surprises from week 10 in the NFL as well. So I'll come in your way. Great Scott show. Hit me up. Tell me why you're happy or angry. Right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports on a cold Monday morning. Speaking of your weather forecast from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Today, sunny, warmer, high of 77. Tonight, clear. Um, It's going to be a low of 56, so not nearly as cool as what it was in the middle of the night or when I woke up long before the sun came out when it was like in the 30s. This, no, I don't like this. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan of the Saints' performance yesterday. Not a fan of the rough in the passer call. Not a fan of Sean Payton's decision to not be aggressive and not try to score a touchdown from the two and elect to kick a field goal. Not a fan of Marshawn Lattimore's performance yesterday. Not a fan of Adam Troutman and his performance. Not a fan of the fumble to begin the second half. Not a fan of a kicker who can't make an extra point. Cut him. Well, who are they going to sign? I don't know. There, I mean, there's got, there has to be, has to be someone out there. Someone who can at least make an extra point. I get it, it's not 20 yards anymore, but good Lord, it's 32 yards. It's 32 yards. That's it. It's 32 yards. I, I take back every every negative thing I may have ever said about Will Lutz's game. Ever. But what a loss that's been. The Saints continue. The way, the way the Saints were falling all over that field yesterday... They were slipping left and right. Changing cleats, trying to figure it out. But that was a metaphor for the way they've been the last two weeks. They just, they keep 
falling without any contact. They're tripping over themselves. They're tripping over their own feet. Email. Michael emails. <coughs> Scott, at what point do you think Sean Payton should have kicked the field goal? You make it a two-possession game. You make it a... I think you meant what you meant to say is you make it a one-possession game with the field goal. Make it a two-possession game. Meant to say one-possession game with the field goal. Should he have gone for it if it was fourth and goal from the 10? Uh, no, of course not. He's 10 yards away, not two. Do you want like a, an actual specific number? I think anything fourth and five, you, you go. You go. Five yards out, you go. You go. Make it happen. Make it happen. Gary emails. Scott enjoyed your conversation last hour with Coach Billy Napier. I wasn't able to read the article that Brody Miller wrote. Can you give me a rehash? You know, I, I not really, Gary. No disrespect. I mean, I don't. It's a long article. It was it was well done by Brody, and Brody look Brody covers LSU for the Athletic. He's on the beat. He wrote. I mean, I, I I'm not. Doesn't take a rocket science to realize he was assigned a story to cover Billy Napier because he is a name that has continued to float out there as a possible next head coach at LSU and there, how they might have interest. Jordy Collada certainly been on that train for a while. He he covers LSU as well, but that's that's where that came from. But it really wasn't a ton about LSU. It was it was which I which is why I liked it. It was really just an article about Billy Napier and what has worked for him at UL and the things he has done very well and how he is in love with the process. I think it was what? Planning, process, patience. That synergy he's got with the, uh, you know, with Maggard, with Savo and all that. It's good. But 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 support support the journalist. Gary, I don't want to give away the whole thing and I'm not going to just pull it up and start reading it either. But there are a lot of things there. That um, that's worth that's worth reading. You know, Brody did a good job covering that LSU game on uh, on Friday on Saturday night. Garrett Nussmeyer. Tell you what, between him and Max Johnson, I don't think that the coaching staff, particularly on offense, has put either of those freshman quarterbacks in great positions. But LSU made a wealth of mistakes. The errors were ample. And if when you lose a game in overtime like that, the way that you did to a ranked Arkansas team, there are so many little plays where you, you do that one thing right and you're out of there with a win. Which at this point, yes, your coach is, your coach is, is going to be gone at the end of the year, all of this other stuff. A lot of the staff will be too. They'll be looking for work. I don't know if there'll be any holdovers, but you still, you as as Herm Edwards would say, you play to win the game. Shout out Jack Betch with his very impressive touchdown in the first half there, but nah, man, no. Offensively, you know what did O say after the game? We got to call better plays. It's obvious. And Coach O's not sugarcoating anything anymore. He doesn't call the plays. He's not sugarcoating anything. He's just, well, 
Let me just tell you exactly how I feel. It's like he did before the Alabama game talking about the defense. And then they went out and played probably their best defense game of the season. So maybe he's on to something. I don't know. They host ULM at eight this Saturday. Two games left in the Coach O era. I guess if they went out, technically they'd be bowl eligible. don't know if they'll do it. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Good morning. Yes, I would like to ask, the UL going into the Liberty game, is, there, is Liberty a favorite in this game coming up? They are a current betting favorite. Uh, the spread is minus four uh, from Caesar Sportsbook. And I've kept up with Liberty this year. Shocking, shocking that they're favorite by that many points at favorite at all. With that said, yeah, UL is doing a real good job. Coach Napier and his staff, you know, they have they have what I think is something around them that's working. And I guess it would be considered some, some sort of a lockdown. Coach Napier and them are doing good quality control and all that stuff. This stuff is all working. And that's probably why his name is popping up in the LSU issue because of how they're doing such a great job with their program here at UL. That said, the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Saints, I think their next games are Philadelphia, at Philadelphia, Buffalo comes to New Orleans, and then Dallas comes. Those three teams, if Sean Payton and them don't get this figured out quickly, they'll be down five games. They're already down two, and those next three are not going to be some easy ones for them. I hope that they can get this thing turned around. And being angry at the, at the media, that ain't going to help. you got to figure out what, what, what y'all got going on there, guys, because it's fractured and stuff and it doesn't doesn't look good right now not saying that they can't win one or two of those three game or even three but it does not look good with those three teams that they got to play all that said lsu you know i look at the tigers and i'm still watching them and i'm proud of those kids that they are still out there working hard during the week and then they go out on saturday night and they lay it on the line and I hope the Tiger fans appreciate what their kids are doing because those kids are not quitting. And as far as the adults who are the coaching staff, well, that's a whole nother issue that the people who are in charge, that's what they wanted. If they wanted to keep Coach O, you kept them. Now you got to live with the consequences. And they're not good. I mean, it's to the point where, wow, that's all I can say when I look at what's happening all around is a wow, but for the kids and what they're doing, mm-hmm. man, my, uh, I give them thumbs up. Those right, kids Mitch. are working and doing their best. Thank you. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, and they are. I mean, everyone is. No one's out there going trying to mess up. Adam Troutman's not trying to flinch on a crucial two-point conversion. False start. He's not trying to. Ah, man. All right, let's get back to the emails. This one comes to us from Jacques. He says, Scott, looking at the playoff picture in the NFC, the Saints should be fine. I'm disappointed as anyone with the next two losses, but 
didn't you think the Saints would finish with a losing record this year? Uh, yes, before the season, I picked them to be 7-10. and 10. It doesn't mean I'm fine with back-to-back two-point losses in games they should have won. If Paulson Adebo can let Corderell Patterson not get behind him, if they could put any kind of pressure on Matt Ryan, if they had a, a kicker in, in Nashville that could make an extra point, if they had a tight end that couldn't just make crucial mistakes at the crucial times, I mean, I'm still going to be mad, regardless of what a preseason prediction is. I still get emotional when I watch the Saints. It doesn't happen as much. When I watch college football, it's more I'm just looking at it analytically and taking it in and you know, I get happy. I, I more or less get happy for others or upset for others because they're into it. With the Saints, no, it's, it's about me, man. <laughs> I'm either happy or sad or angry or something. And it's it's you know, and, and for that matter, the feelings really aren't as strong as they were years ago before I had children. That gives you perspective. But but the game like yesterday, Oof, man. And yeah, now you go to Philadelphia, and then you got Buffalo and Dallas. Buffalo on a short week, on a Thursday. And then Dallas the Thursday after that. If you get through that, even if you're 6-6, six and six, you win one of those two. It really comes down to the final stretch where you have games against the Jets, the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Panthers, and the Falcons. So you still have a lot in front of you. And yeah, maybe they do get in the playoffs. And yes, if in the NFC playoff picture, they actually still have a winning record. But I, I don't know what your point is. Is your point with the email to suggest that, that Saints fans should just be okay with what happened yesterday in Nashville? Should be cool with it? Trevor Simeon wasn't cool with it. Nor should he be. Nor should anybody on that team be. Nor should the fan base be. Saints' current QB1 started as QB3. Last year was QB4. Yeah, the Saints have had to replace a lot of people lately. Here's Trevor Simeon after the loss yesterday. I think we were probably pretty poor on third down in the first half without looking at anything. um, But that's my initial thought is we've got to find a way to stay on the field early in the game. Sometimes the two-point conversion play is kind of looking solid. Yeah, I thought, uh, I was thinking it was going to have to be a play extension. Um, and then I saw the linebackers back turn on Mark. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good chance to to get one there. But I think, you know, without having looked at it, I think it's either got to give him a better throw or extend the play and something something weird happens, you know. What read is that? Uh, that was just Mark, you know, that's the first guy in our progression on that play, so. How frustrating is the penalty on the two-point conversion that backs you up, though? Yeah, it hurts. Uh, obviously, you know, down there it gets loud. Um, you know, there's some movement. There's a lot of communication that happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's certainly if you're on, you know, going for it on the two versus on the seven, it's probably a little – the the odds are probably a little better there. Did something – feel different or click different in the fourth quarter? Did you start to feel it a little bit at that point? Uh, yeah, I think just staying on the field, like I said, you know, when you, um, if you don't stay on the field, everybody says, oh, we're not in a rhythm, and, you know, one drop gets gets magnified um, here and there, but um, when you stay on the field and you convert third downs or whatever it is and you get some chunk plays, everybody everybody feels good, but um, you got to stay on the field to get more plays, and usually good things happen. Trevor, 
any common theme on third downs that, that you guys can pinpoint? No, I, I think early they were, you know, definitely challenging us and made some big plays, um, but just weren't consistent enough. Uh, yeah, weren't consistent enough. Fair to say that the last couple of weeks you guys have been kind of getting in the runway at times. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, we can be as good as we want to be, um, but yeah, I think we're close. But that's you know that doesn't mean anything. Jordan Griffin is out there without Alvin. Yeah, he's a difference maker, and uh, he's got to be accounted for on every snap. So um, yeah, I think Mark played really well, um, but yeah, Al- yeah, Alvin you know changes the changes the game a little bit. Did you guys do anything to neutralize our pass rush in the second half? It seemed like it was less disruptive uh, on the offense. Yeah, I think uh, once they got up, they were playing a little more coverage. Um, and the offensive line, I thought, played well all day. So, um, you know, when they're playing coverage, they're not disrupting the timing of the routes. Um, and there's a little more rhythm to the passing game. But, you know, when they're challenging you and uh, disrupting the timing, sometimes you got to hold the ball longer and uh, push the ball down the field. So maybe that's what it looked like. You guys are. You guys have talked this all year about playing without injured players. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this happens, like, like, how much does it does it make it harder when you guys are dealing with a couple of missed extra points or fumble? Or yeah. Or I think injuries. You, you know, I think you don't want to focus on injuries because everybody's doing the same thing. I think Tennessee was pretty banged up too, so. Um, that's just the point of the season, the NFL season. Um, you know, that's why it's the strength of the team and not just individual players. So I, I think we still got a really good team, and uh, uh, we're going to get it fixed. What was Sean's message to the team after this one? Yeah, just details. You know, these just these details we got to clean up here and there. Um, you know, the game played out how, how we thought it would uh, to a certain extent. We just, you know, a couple details we got to get cleaned up. There's, you know, there's not much margin for error. You said it's, it's close. Are, are you seeing, and, and you said you've got a good team. Are, are you seeing enough to sort of give you confidence going forward, even if it wasn't great this week? Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, we got a good team. Um, and, yeah, this is the NFL. You're not, you're not blowing people out. You're not, you know, winning by three, four scores every week. You know, the margin for error is next to nothing, and, um, these uh, these games, you know, whatever percent of them come down to one possession at the end, um, and if you slip up on a few details, this, you know, this is what happens. Is there any part of like your fourth quarter that it, now it's been two and a half games that you've actually been able to find some kind of personal rhythm, maybe? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I've I've played you know three weeks in a row now, so you know I feel like I'm a starter at this point, so. Um, that part's good, but yeah, that would that that part happened organically, probably midway through last game. So he's a heavy breather, huh? Uh, I, I I'm just picking. He was again, Trevor Simeon. He's he's fine. He's he's fine. He's gonna frustrate you at times, and other times get you excited about the Saints' chances. Maybe tease you a little bit. I mean, it was 19 and 34, had 298 yards passing, two touchdowns, was sacked four times. Doesn't really have much escapability. Didn't throw, didn't throw any interceptions. And in the second half, he had his moments. 
See, last week in the loss to Atlanta, it was when they went to the hurry-up in the fourth. This week, it wasn't in the hurry-up. He just, all they needed, it was a big third-down conversion to Deontay Harris, and then they were able to get the drive going and going and going, and they got the touchdown, the Ingram run. And then on the, in the last drive, it's Ingram. You hit him in stride, boom, 34 yards down the sideline, 22-yard pass to Callaway, 17-yard pass to Harris. A penalty sets you back, third and 13, boom, touchdown, Marquez Callaway. I mean, he... he he was, he was, he, again, up and down, up and down. That's what you're going to get there. 20 after the hour of 8 o'clock. When we come back, the topsy-turvy reaction week to week to two franchises, or rather, I should say, to two individuals on two different franchises, and it needs to stop. It's annoying, it's ridiculous, it's stupid, and it needs to stop. I'll explain next right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. This is The Great Scott Show. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to three, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now at 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening to the stream, whether it be right off your mobile device, connected cars, smart speakers, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. It's probably hypocritical of me to say what I'm about to say, considering I work in sports media, but my goodness, week to week, the yo-yoing extreme takes are 
annoying. And, and and not just week to week, season to season. Week to week, well, you know, the Cowboys, uh, they're a joke. They lost to Denver. Uh, oh, the Cowboys, they crushed the Falcons. They're going to the Super Bowl. Now, the Cowboys are always going to be a bit hyperbolic because they're the Cowboys and the reaction to them. But maybe it's something more like, oh, well, look, look at what the Saints have done without Drew Brees. And look at all the games Sean Payton has won with backup quarterbacks. Maybe maybe Brees owes Payton a lot more. and Maybe he was more of the, and then, you know, oh, two straight losses, granted only by two points, and it's Trevor Simeon. And it's, oh, yeah, he really misses Brees. Can't you just give both guys credit? But where it's become most annoying is... Brady and Belichick. I mean, my God. Last year, New England didn't make the playoffs. Cam Newton, who was injured, by the way, playing injured. They were, what, seven and nine? Oh, shoot, man. Hey, it's all, it was all Brady. Look what Belichick. He can't do anything. And everyone just negates to mention that they had seven players who just opted out of last season due to COVID-19 and lost a ton of other people. But it was it had to become this Brady or Belichick fight, right? You got to take a side in this split. No, you don't. Oh, well, Brady won the Super Bowl. What has Belichick been doing? And now the Bucs have won two games in a row, including one yesterday to the Washington football team. While Mac Jones has supplanted himself as the front runner for offensive rookie of the year, the Patriots are only a half game behind the Bills for the division lead, and everybody's saying, oh, good old magical Bill. How could you ever doubt him? And what's happening with the Bucs right now? Oh, Belichick. Yeah, get, get, what was Brady thinking? Leaving him. Um he was thinking he wanted to go somewhere else. He won a Super Bowl. Belichick is still a good coach. Can it just be that simple? They're both still good and both have questionable histories in terms of trying to gain an upper hand. Let's not leave that part out when you're talking about either of those guys. But that always gets left out. It just turns in to this silly debate of picking a side. Come on, man. They're not chasing each other. They're chasing Super Bowls with their own teams. The media's made it out to be like they're chasing each other. They're not. Is there some small part of the split that helps drive and just as an extra motivation to each of them? Perhaps. But do you really think they'd be playing, he'd be playing any differently or that Belichick would be coaching any differently yesterday? No. This, 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 this hyperbole must stop, but it won't. And you know what? I'll probably be guilty of fueling it, being in this business anyway. Hit us up via Twitter at ESPN Lafayette. That's the handle. You can uh, shoot me an email, Scott at ESPN1420.com, and you can call us. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Got a call from Mitch the listener, Mitch, in the last segment, and he was surprised about Liberty being currently a four-point favorite, a betting favorite, per Caesar Sportsbook, as they host Louisiana this Saturday at 3 o'clock. I think uh, there are some teams, look, what, what do they say in the betting world, right? Home, home field advantage gives you a three-point edge. 
That's the case most places. There are a few exceptions in sports where it might be more than three, right? So, you you know, if, if you were looking at Liberty's home field as a normal home field, you would say, oh, well, if it was a neutral field, Liberty would be a one-point favorite. It was a Cajun field. The Cajuns would only be a two-point betting favorite. No, I think Liberty is one of those exceptions. They've won 15 games in a row at home. Look at the difference in their performances home versus road, and you start to see numbers that are pretty different. Yeah, I still don't know how they lost at Monroe to ULM, and, and credit to Terry Bowd and his crew for getting that win. But this is a team that won at Troy. This is a team that nearly beat Syracuse. This is a team that beat Coastal Carolina last year. When Coastal was ranked, what, in the top 15 at the time? And Liberty, you know, they turned it over a bunch against ULM. They're the betting favorite. And a big reason why isn't just that they're they're a good G5 team. It's because they're playing at home where they're really good and haven't lost at home in a very long time. Williams Stadium in Virginia. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a tall task for the Cajuns. And Louisiana hasn't been a betting underdog since their game against App State. And they won that game 41 to 13. Prior to that, you'd have to go back to their game against Texas. In Texas, my god, Texas. Oof. You know, you lost by 38-18 to Texas week one, and you look at what has happened to Texas here. They got off to a, what, a 4-1 and one start, and then they lost to Oklahoma by only a touchdown, and it just continued to snowball downhill. The Longhorns have lost five in a row, and, it, you know, you lose, you lose a close win to OU, You lose a one-possession game to Oklahoma State. You lose by a touchdown to Baylor. We're talking about ranked teams here. But then you go to Iowa State and you lose 30-7. to I mean, Iowa, they're they're not bad. Iowa State's not as good as they were last year. Not even close. But when you lose to Kansas... I mean, their, their, their head coach after the game, their interim was like, yeah, I was told not to have to worry about these post-game interviews because insinuating they really wouldn't win. But I guess I was wrong. 57 to 56, they won in overtime. Two-point conversion. At Texas. Things have gotten bad for Texas, y'all. Things have gotten bad. Steve Sarkeesian, that guy needs answers, and he needs answers quickly. They were on the wrong side of history. If you want to look at betting lines, Texas was favored by 20-something, 28 maybe. Since 1978, in every game that Texas has been favored by 24 or more points, they were 79-0. Not against the spread, but obviously straight up as the winner of the game. Kansas, on the other hand, since 1978, when they were a 24 or more point underdog, was 
O and a hundred. What did I say? They were 29 point under. I, I got to correct myself. They were 31 point underdogs on Saturday and went into Austin and won. I tell you what, man, that pet monkey, that, that thing is just, ever since that pet monkey came about, the special teams coach's pet monkey that belonged to his girlfriend who was a stripper who he left his wife and kids for, bit a kid who was trick-or-treating on Halloween, and I'm sure there's some kind of metaphor here for Texas problems. I can't even think of it. I don't even need to. The story is so ridiculous and yet true. Well, they might, they might, they might finish four and eight, and that's not good. Cajun fans, you wanted Texas to roll this season. And they're rolling in the wrong direction right now. But since then, what has Louisiana done? They've won nine in a row. They've won nine in a row. They're going to try to make it 10 this Saturday at Liberty. Emails. Carl emails. Scott, who do you like in tonight's Monday night game? I saw a bet on a board of Elijah Mitchell, 10 and a half receiving yards. Should I take it? Enjoying the show. Should you take it? You know, Eli, it wouldn't seem like a lot on the surface, right? Elijah Mitchell, remember what he could do catching the ball during his NFL career. Um, it's not like they've been throwing it to Eli a ton, though. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see Monday Night Football tonight. San Francisco hosting the Rams. I'm excited to see Elijah Mitchell. But in terms of how much they, they actually throw him the ball in that offense, it's on the season. I was looking at his stats, um, I guess, earlier this week. I think he has nine catches. Ten and a half is right. I would, I would take the over. If I was a Betty man, and I'm not, and Carl, if you don't get the bet, then don't blame me. I would take the over because I think the Rams, you look at how much they send the pressure. You look at what they can do with the front four. Jimmy G dumping it off. I, I think I, I would take it. I think I'm not sure. Look, I'm not telling you Eli's going to catch like five passes or anything, but Rams defense is tough, man. I would I would go ahead and take the over there. And for the Rams, they want to they all in. They're always all in, right? Got Von Miller. They're coming off of a loss where they got their face beat down by the Titans. They got the Niners this week on the road, and then they're at the Packers next week on a short week. This is a, a crucial stretch for them. You know, a lot of teams lost. A lot of teams at the top of the NFC fell yesterday. The NFC had six teams with winning records heading into yesterday. And most of them lost. Bucks lost to Washington. We know what the Saints did. Talked about that quite a bit. Tampa Bay lost. Arizona lost to the to the to the Panthers. And if you didn't watch the game, um it was Cam Newton had a couple of touchdowns, but it's not like he was playing the whole time. I say a couple touchdowns. He had the first touchdown. A little two-yard run. It was on every ticker. It's not like Cam played the game. He had just got there. Cam, Cam played a little bit. I think he attempted three passes. P.J. Walker was the quarterback yesterday, but that one was a puzzling, puzzling score. Like last week, the, 
Jacksonville beats Buffalo 9-6. This week, Carolina, who improves to 500, stomps the Cardinals. In Arizona, the Cardinals, who had the best record in the NFL prior to yesterday. The best. Dallas was the team with the winning record in Green Bay that handled their business. Kansas City seems to finally have woken up. Is it a mirage? Or are they now clicking? I want to see another game for them. Because next week, the Chiefs are playing the Cowboys, and that will be must-see NFL TV. Because the Chiefs last night offensively look like the Chiefs you've seen the past couple years. Prior to last night, they didn't look like that at all in any games this season. They're coming off a dominant win. The Cowboys crushed the Falcons' face, which I wasn't even able to enjoy. Probably because it's Dallas. But more so, the Falcons getting beat down usually makes me happy unless the Saints have a game as incredibly frustrating as the one they had yesterday. We'll hear from Demario Davis in the final segment. Let's talk hoops for a moment. The Pelicans actually got a win Saturday night. Hey, their second win of the season. Shout out Herb Jones. Brandon Ingram return. What do you know? You get a star in the lineup, you're more likely to win. How about that? I'll talk about raging Cajun hoops for a minute. And Gary Broadhead and his squad, we'll talk to Gary tomorrow, going into Rice on the road, a game that was supposed to be at the Cajun Dome, and they had to move it because of the volleyball state championships. And Rice will eventually come to the Cajun Dome, and they'll make up that, that in the schedule down the line. To go on the road and get a win, and come back the way that they did. They outscored Rice by 16 points in the fourth quarter. Louisiana scored 32 points in the fourth quarter. They only scored 22 in the first half. 32, they locked down on defense, and they doubled up Rice in the fourth. They end up winning by four. They were down double digits to start the fourth quarter on the road against the team that was one of the better women's teams in, in, in college basketball a season ago. Now they follow that up with a matchup this Thursday at the Cajun Dome against LSU and Kim Mulkey's squad? I Get out to the Cajun Dome, folks. Shout out to that, uh, that win for them. As far as LSU goes, they, uh, they, they have a... A puzzling loss. They lost yesterday to Florida Gulf Coast. That was a surprise, especially, you know, they opened the season against Nichols and won by like 42. They lost by double digits to Florida Gulf Coast. This is, in terms of non-conference matchups, this is the biggest non-conference game at the Cajun Dome for UL Women's Hoops in a long time. Thursday night, we'll be on the air, 545 right here, on ESPN Lafayette. Um, as far as the men go, they went. They get a 21-point win at Southern Miss. They pulled away late last six minutes. Greg Williams w- was terrific. 18 points, seven assists, four boards. Jordan Brown's shot wasn't falling as much early, but he, he ends up coming up just a, a board shy of a double-double. Theo Akuba was good. I mean, the offense wasn't, you know, the, the, the shots inside the arc weren't falling as much early, but defensively they were very good. And uh, Kentrell Garnett again in the starting lineup. The walk-on, I mean, love that kid. A couple of daggers late. You know, 
They found their range late. It was it was kind of in the first half of the win last week against West Florida. They were 0 of 11, and then in the second half, they started hitting some threes. They were really struggling from beyond the arc last night, and then, boom, in the final six minutes, they nailed five threes, and that's when they really pulled away. We'll talk to Bob Marlin tomorrow as well. When we come back, Demario Davis, he had some thoughts about the end of the first half yesterday in Nashville and the roughing the passer call that Jerome Booger decided to to stick with, and then the P.I. call against him. Sean Payton didn't want to talk about it either. Like, you want my opinion on it? No, because he didn't want to get fined. Demario Davis, I, 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 he was calm, calm, cool, collected. But he actually shared his opinion on both plays. You'll hear that from DeMario next and more. It's all coming your way right here on The Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Tomorrow, Bob Marlin, Gary Broadhead, Jay Walker, maybe another guest as well. James Butler will be back in studio this week. The passionate one, former NFL wide receiver, former Rage Cajun wide receiver. Be in studio Wednesday. Norm Lock Thursday, Gus Friday, other guests sprinkled in, and of course, you guys. Phone lines are open in the final segment. If you want to get in now, 269-1077. Emails. Jake emails says, Scott, do you think the Panthers will give Cam Newton the full allotment of snaps coming soon, or could you see them do what they did yesterday? It seemed like it worked. You can't argue with a 24-point win at Arizona. That is a good question. I think most people would just dismiss it and say, no, of course, they're going to go with Cam. Cam was on the field for eight plays yesterday. And the script was kind of perfect for Carolina, who was on the field for eight snaps and scored, you know, a touchdown on a run and then threw a touchdown pass in his second play. His first two plays back were touchdowns. And P.J. Walker, but if, if you watched it, Walker was okay. Carolina's defense was good. Walker was okay. Certainly he's injected some new life as Cam's return, but I think Cam Newton will eventually be the guy, the starter. And, you know, he had just gotten there. But I I think he'll probably be the guy when the Saints play Carolina in Week 17. So weird there's going to be Week 18 in the second week of January this season. That's when, you know, the 17-game season I'm still kind of getting used to, but it's really going to mess with me once we get to the 17th game. That 17th game this year for the Saints was the one yesterday. Under the old 16-game format, they would have not played the Titans this year, and they would not have played the Titans on the road. But all AFC teams got to be the host team this year. The Titans got the Saints. 
They got the Saints on a day where so many things went wrong. Ugh. Went through it quite a bit in the 7 o'clock hour. Demario Davis, talk to me. This is a day-by-day process. Um, I think that's a part of our culture. Um, a part of who we are is just attention to detail always has been. And, um, you know, for the most part, I think we have a good group of guys who, who try to do that day in, day out. Did you see the uh, rough and pass pass? Uh, yeah, I saw it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be the guy that, that, that criticizes, you know, referees. I, I feel like they have a tough job and they're doing the best they can. Um, from a defensive perspective, understanding what took place on that drive particularly, um, you get an interception, that's, that's zero points on the board where, you know, um, it's a great thing if you can hold them to three. Um, you know, so you end up allowing that drive to continue um, and then get another one um, on the pass interference on me. Those are, those are two, two, two bang, bang plays. Um, you know, certainly you get a chance to hold them to three or you get a chance to, to be off the field and hold them to zero points when they got down to the red zone. So um, as a defender who takes pride in defense and, you know, trying to keep the, the opponent from getting the least amount of points as he can, um, that goes against kind of what we want to happen. But certainly understand that the referees have a tough job. Um, you know, sometimes you're on the other side of that and, and, and you're happy and you're not necessarily caring what, what uh, if it was right or wrong, you, you know, if they call it on the other team, you, you're celebrating it. So I think the rest have a tough job. They're doing as best they can. Um, so, you know, I try to control what I can control and, you know, leave the rest of them. No, I didn't say anything. It was a bang bang play. And so a lot of times bang bang plays, you know, it's you do the same thing, next time they don't call it. You do it you do it one time, they may call it one time they don't, you know, and so um you, you see it a lot of times in bang bang situations, you know, and, and we've gotten I guess to a to a point where you see a play like that and you just kind of wait and see if are they going to throw the flag or not because you know sometimes even though it's not it doesn't look like a flag they could throw it right there and so um, and, and vice versa what happens on your same thing bang bang play um, the guy was uh, trying to force his step across across my body um, and I can see the quarterback look at him and when you're on the outside of the defender um, naturally, you're going to have to try to jump back across, and it's a bang bang play. You, you see it a lot, happen a lot more with cornerbacks uh, when they run slant routes, and that's one of those things. I, you know, sometimes they throw it. Some, I've been in that same situation many times, and many times they don't throw it. But it, there have been a few where they where they have thrown it, and that one is is that. And it's just tough because that's a situation where points are involved. If it's out in the middle of the field, then it's you know, less impactful, but when you got a chance, that's third down, get off the field, you know, uh, and you allow them to get a first down on the one, two-yard line, it, it just, it, it, it drastically impacts the game, but it is what it is. I, yeah, bang, bang. Bang, bang. That's DeMario Davis. Alvin Kamara is the best player on the Saints, but tomorrow Davis has had the best season. Had the best season. 
He's been outstanding. Imagine where the team would be without that guy. Many of you don't want to. Guy's been unbelievable, been consistent. Saints had their issues on defense yesterday, but Davis wasn't part of it. He's been the best player on the team this season. Facts. It's going to do it for the great Scott show today. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate Coach Napier for joining me at 7.15 this morning. If you missed any of the show, we'll have the whole thing up for you over on the Great Scott Show podcast page, as well as the Coach Napier interview, which will be up on ESPNLafayette.com later this morning. Got into a lot with Coach. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Coach Marlin, Coach Broadhead, Jay Walker will be in studio. We'll do a little TTT, talk about a number of things. It's all coming your way. The Dan Patrick Show is next in Rich Eyes. And then my boy Brad Topham for Top's Take. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Full terms and conditions.